All right, everyone, welcome back to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and you are in for a treat today. Today's guest is Kelly Lampkin. Kelly is a comedian, a DJ, an entrepreneur, an angel investor, and an account executive at NetSuite. And you should know NetSuite. And if you don't, maybe Oracle will sound familiar. So Kelly, I am so excited to have you on today because you are doing all the things. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I'm so happy to be here with you. Awesome. So when you go to a cocktail party, or imagine with me the days of cocktail parties and networking (laughs) events, when you go out to a networking event and someone asks you, what do you do? What is your answer to that? (laughs) I guess it depends where I'm at, but usually I ask them if they want the the truth or they want the fake story. (laughs) Ooh, wait to hear. Now I'm curious, like the truth or the fake story. What is the truth? We're all about authenticity on the Lead with Levity podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, the truth sometimes sounds unbelievable, especially when I was doing my, I, I did a trip around the world with NetSuite and got to travel to 25 countries in 12 months. And that was like unbelievable to a lot of people, but it was, that was the truth. It was a really fun opportunity to get to understand our customers better and our partners all over the world and really build uh, a, a program for NetSuite where we could do social selling in a more effective way. So that was part of my job, but I think every year I've shifted my my job in a way. But what I do mm-hmm. isn't really even my job. Like I think what I do is I try to build communities for my clients to evangelize our products and then also to grow their own businesses. So I'm all about building a community for the people that I'm working with. And very often that leads into like friendships and coworkers and clients, like they all become the same group after doing this for so long. Wow. Wow. So you said so much there and I'm going to have to unpack some of that. (laughs) So you traveled to, did I hear that right? 25 countries in 12 months. Yeah, that's correct. And that was all for, for NetSuite. What was it like as a NetSuite nomad? Yeah, so we I invented the role. So I've been in Etsy for a long time, almost 10 years. And I've been in sales. So I started out in our business development program, which is basically inbound leads come in and we learn how to learn about our product and learn how to position it to potential customers. Then I got promoted to be a sales rep and then I was a manager at one point. And then I had an opportunity with a group called Remote Year, which is a, a different company than Netsuite than Oracle. Mm-hmm. And what they built is a program where all different companies can come together and travel the world together to prove, this was three or four years ago, to prove that remote working mm-hmm. is possible <laughs> from anywhere. Yeah. And so I was with people from IBM and from Salesforce and all kinds of even small companies, startups, independent consultants, and a lot of artists, I would say. And so 75 of us traveled across the, the world together, remote year sponsored 10 locations. And then I did another, you know, 15 on my own. And that was an opportunity Mm -hmm. for me to really work with a bunch of other digital nomads and prove that working from anywhere was totally possible. And so that's what I got to do as a part of, and that's what sponsored that program for me. And we built a a marketing role for me to do as I was doing that trip. So you sold out at this point on the idea that remote work is possible from (laughs) anywhere? Yeah, I haven't been working in an office for a long time. So right now we're in COVID. 
I've been working remotely for a long time. And what would you say is the key to success in in working remotely? I think that what people are experiencing now is that they're losing a lot of the difference between their work time and their family time or their personal time. And that was something Mm -hmm. that I had, I wouldn't say lost, but I had already modified for a long time. So it's also the nature of of my job, which is probably different than other people. Like I don't really have an hourly clock in clock out type of job in sales. And I think with anybody who's at a startup, really, if anyone is like a part of a company where they're working towards a, a mission and I'm working towards a mission and a commission, like well, I'm working all the time. So I could be working at night. I could, this is a Saturday right now that we're talking. I could be working on a weekend. I could be working any time of the day, any day of the week, but also sometimes in the middle of the day, I don't have to be working on a Wednesday. Right. So I think that I had already for a long time gotten into that kind of habit and <clears throat> how I think about my work time and my playtime. And so that is probably what a lot of people are struggling mm. with is trying to create distance between that. And I've just adopted a culture in my personal life where I'm always working, but I'm never working. I'm always available to my friends, but I'm also always available to my customers. That's really interesting. And I can imagine that when you were traveling with the 75, (laughs) you said before that you build these communities for your clients so that they can evangelize and really grow their brands. I can imagine that you built up a pretty solid community even with the people that you were traveling with. Yeah, they become kind of like your new coworkers, even though it was special because none of us worked for the same company. So normally you build a cohort with the people that have something in common with you. And usually it's you're going to the office with the same people or in school, you're sitting next to people in the same class. On remote year, like we had this thing in common, which was this travel bug. But we also made friends with people that weren't in the program. Like I would be in a new city every week. Sometimes I'd be in a new city. And we'd make new friends in that city that weren't even affiliated with our program, just people that we'd meet in the world. I was working from a boat in Serbia on the Danube River. I was working from the bottom of a salt mine in Colombia. I was working from restaurants in Prague. Like I was working from castles Mm -hmm. in Romania, from beaches in Costa Rica, like anywhere with internet, I was able to do work. And that also conditioned me to be quite good at dealing with a lot of distractions, which I'm learning not everyone has acclimated to. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. If you can get work done at a salt mine, (laughs) then you can work anywhere. Yeah. In America, I'll I'll put on my America hat. (laughs) In America, we often talk about just a handful of places that you have to go visit outside of America. It's Paris, it's London, it's the standard places. You've been all over the world. What are some of your most favorite places that maybe are a little bit off the beaten path? Yeah, I would say there's so many interesting, fun places in the world, and I haven't even mentioned to nearly enough of them. And right now it's hard because we're in a travel lockdown and that was a big part of my life. But I would say I happened to be living in Serbia at the time and Serbia is not a place that I ever thought that I would go. I didn't even really know where it was on a map, I would say, before I got there. And then I remember thinking like, (laughs) is Transylvania a real place? Like I thought it was, I thought maybe it was mythical. Like oh, yeah. is Transylvania even a real place? <laughs> and I was like, it is. And it's two hours from where I am in Serbia right now. Should we go check up on Dracula and see how he's doing? So it just gave me the opportunity <laughs> right. to do so many cool random things that I, I never thought I'd be able to do. So we like took a, 
I think we flew to Romania and then we got a, a, a guy with a bus and it was just my three friends and me in this little van with him. And he drove us all around to Dracula's castles and we got to see where he was born and we got to go into a cave, like a cave full of baths where basically when Dracula was forced out of power and all the people that were loyal to him were forced to hide, they hid in this cave for a year and we got to climb around and spelunk in this cave and they play music in the cave now. You can have an orchestra come in and the acoustics, Hmm. it was just the coolest thing and we just happened to be driving down the road to another castle and our guy who was driving the bus was like do you guys want to check out a cave today we have an extra hour i was like yes so it was just a whole year of yes do you want to check this out and there were so many crazy fun strange things i never would have expected that is so cool is that how dracula the whole folklore about him turning being able to turn into bats and all of that is that where that originates I think part of it might be related because they had to hide in a place where they couldn't be attacked by the uprising of the leadership, the new leadership. Yeah, it it was so cool to be in a cave full of bats where Dracula could have hung out. There's not always evidence of everything, but it's pretty evident that people were living there. And it's very likely that it was people that were loyal to him. Let me switch gears a little bit because I could talk to you (laughs) about travel for days. I miss Mm -hmm. travel myself. I I really do. And I'm so sad. I'm always pulling up the list of places that I can go now as an American and it's getting shorter Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, oh, oh, what am I going to (laughs) do? So what is maybe some of the best career advice you've ever gotten? Because I have a feeling that... You've been with this one company for a while now, yeah. but you've gotten to experience some pretty amazing things that some people never get to experience in a lifetime. So has there been some advice that you've received that you feel like maybe has put you in a position to be able to take advantage of those opportunities? Yeah, I would say that I've got, I've been really fortunate to have amazing mentors in my career. And at my company, I have been at one company since I graduated from college. I was actually selling NetSuite before I graduated college. The way that I found the wow. way that I found NetSuite is I have a degree in sales, which is a strange thing to have a degree in. I have a degree in entrepreneurship and sales, which are two things that you probably don't need to go to school for. <laughs> because they're two, and I chose them because I didn't have to take any tests, right? There's no tests and <laughs> you don't have to take an account. I sell accounting software now and I chose degrees uh-huh. where I would not have to take accounting classes which is ironic. Interesting. So I never had to, <laughs> to do homework or um, tests, but I did get to build companies and sell basically sponsorships to our university. So my job in college was to build companies. And if you succeeded, you got an A. And if you failed, you wrote a paper about why you failed and then you could still get an A. But, and then I, I sold <laughs> things at a university. NetSuite was a sponsor for a competition that I competed in as a senior and junior in college. And so basically I was demoing, explaining the value of our product, showing people how they could use it and understanding how buyer behavior can work. And then with a sales methodology, several different methodologies that we learned in, in school, I was able to go through role plays pretty much every day of my life when I was in college. So I've been working with that space mm. for a long time, but I would guess like back to career advice, when I graduated from school, I had a lot of options uh, and a lot of companies that I had gotten attention from through these competitions that I'd been participating in. And I talked to my grandparents, actually, my grandma gave me the best advice I think that I've gotten. And it really helped me frame a lot of decisions that I've made in my life. And that was that 
when she had graduated from college, she uh, is a was a physical therapist. And so she had a path mm-hmm. where she could choose either to start her own kind of physical therapy practice or go work for somebody as a lower level employee and, and learn more skills, but get paid a lot less. I had almost the same opportunity. Mm. Like I could either go into a role as an independent contributor, start off as a sales rep and start getting a quota and, and run a, a territory, or I could go into this business development program that NetSuite created. And so her advice was she took the path of demonstrating skills going to lead, taking the bigger salary, building the brand, building the company for herself. And she always said that she wished that she had taken that time to invest in skills because she didn't have as many. And so if you look at the long-term trajectory of your career, if you have an opportunity to demonstrate skills or to invest in new skills, try to take the path where you get to invest in new skills. And I'm so glad that I did that with NetSuite because I ended up taking a job that was paying me probably half the amount of other jobs that I had offers at the time for, but it's just made my career trajectory be probably 10 times greater than it could have been if I had been demonstrating skills that early. I'm really happy that I invested in learning those skills so early. And I always think about that when I have a new opportunity. That's really a really interesting way of looking at it. I'm in like learning and development is my focus area. Mm And so I've always been a little bit of that person who's out there cheerleading personal and professional development. If you don't focus on you and building your skills, how are you going to be more effective? All of that stuff. Like you, you take your skills with you no matter where you go, even if you lose your job or if you have to make a new career move or something like that, you're always going to have those skills. You're always going to have that knowledge and that information with you. So I think it's so important to have. And I completely agree with you there. Now, as a salesperson in COVID times, (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious sales COVID is anyone interested in buying anything right now? And are how is morale in sales? I'm just curious. You don't have to have any statistics, but mm-hmm. if you could give me a sense of where, what is the state of sales in, in high tech right now? Yeah, it is. So Nestle was acquired by Oracle about three years ago. And so now we are on Oracle's year end. So we're a publicly traded company. Oracle's year end was May 31st. So our Q4, our busiest time, the month, the, the quarter in which I make, you know, the, the majority of my sales is was March, April, and May this year. And that was exactly when the oh, shutdown no. started. So we were, I think in March, I was a little bit, everybody was trying to figure it out. Like we were a little bit nervous. And I think uh, fast forward to what happened, I had the best year of my career. Every year of my career has been the best year of my career. So we did a great job. I can't speak for all of Oracle and don't make any decisions on investing based on what I'm saying, obviously. But for me personally, I had a really good year. And I think that was because I focus a lot on social selling. And that was how I was before the Mm. lockdown and before the remote. And as we've talked about, I'm pretty used to working remotely. But it's not just working remotely that is important. It's creating a digital community remotely and creating engagement in a way that can be distance agnostic. And so that is what I really focused on, especially as we started to enter into the the lockdown is how can we create ways and communities for our customers to interact with each other in a remote environment. And so I did a lot of, I host a lot of tea parties. Happy hours aren't a hundred percent my, my brand, but tea parties totally are. And so we did just five customers and five prospects or three customers and three prospects every other week. Basically I'll host a little tea party, let them talk to each other. And 
they're not talking about NetSuite and what NetSuite can do for their business. They're talking about what's happening in their business. And most of my customers are CFOs. And so it's really helpful for them to talk to each other. And I provide an outlet for these people to connect with each other when perhaps they wouldn't have that anymore because we can't go to a happy hour after work and we can't talk to each other at the water cooler or see each other in the elevator. As a vendor, I have the opportunity to see across different companies what they're doing and different industries and bring those people together in a virtual environment. And that I think is what's helped me Mm. build a good pipeline and execute deals and run deals without ever meeting my customers, which is different than how I used to. I used to meet every customer in person in San Francisco. I live five minutes away from pretty much every tech company that I'd ever want to work with. (laughs) And now I have to do it remotely. Cool thing though, is doesn't that kind of expand your opportunities as well? You're not just trying to schedule a tea party or a meeting coffee break or something like that with someone in the neighborhood. Now you can meet with anyone in the world. You're exactly right. Yeah. So what it ended up doing is bringing out a lot of people that I hadn't talked to in a long time, or I hadn't really thought of. I I used to live in Boston. I used to run a territory in Boston and then I used to run a territory on the East coast. And now I run a territory in San Francisco, but I actually had some tea parties where I brought some of my New York customers or some of my Boston customers together with my San Francisco customers because they had a similar business model or they had something in common. Whereas like they might not have ever met in person, except at like a, a user conference or something. And that was a really cool opportunity to really expand the opportunity for my customers to meet each other and share best practices. So your focus is on cloud ERP, right? Yep. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that really drew me to you was your headline, like in your bio, Uh, you talk about how you make cloud ERP fun. And my initial visceral reaction to that was, what? How do you make cloud ERP fun? And I need to talk to her about that. And so if you wouldn't mind, can you tell us a little bit about what is cloud ERP? Mm -hmm. What does that even stand for? What is that? (laughs) And, And how do you make it? How do you make it fun? Yeah. So that's, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm really happy that the the LinkedIn social selling like branding is what attracted you to me because that is what I really mm-hmm. built my career around. So that's really special. Uh, Cloud ERP stands for enterprise resource planning. And that sounds really hard and fancy and big. What it really is, is just <laughs> accounting software. So what mm-hmm. NetSuite does for our customers is we provide accounting software in the cloud so that you can automate a lot of your transactional details inside of our software. So for a small company, angel to startup level company, all the way through IPO, I work with customers that are pre-revenue. I work with customers that are that have got a billion dollars in funding, a billion dollars in funding, and then a billion dollars in valuation is something totally different. So I worked mm. with all different mm. spectrums of customers. And what Nets we can do for them is help to automate processes that would normally be manual in an Excel document. So the majority of our customers are financial executives. They're doing things in what you might uh, use as like QuickBooks as a tool that you might use before you move on to NetSuite. And so you'd be using QuickBooks to manually invoice your customers or track payables and procurement and have approval cycles. NetSuite can do a lot of that for you and automate that. And as you become a bigger company, it really helps you to scale to have software in place that's really recognized for doing this well. So that sounds boring <laughs> if you, it's accounting software. I, yeah, it's pretty hard to make it fun for a lot of people. It's a need to have at some point, 
but as, if you're an early stage company, it can be a nice to have. So the way that I try to make it fun is remember I took classes where I didn't have to take accounting <laughs> in college. So now I sell mm, accounting software. So you can translate. I chose to not take accounting classes because I thought they were boring. And now I sell accounting software. So you have to spice it up and make it fun. And so what I try right. to do is to think about NetSuite isn't really the software that helps your business. And I'm not really the vendor that sells you the software. What I really try to think about is channel my, my entrepreneurship and my entrepreneurial mind and say, if I was at this company, what are the challenges that I would have as a company? And as I'm growing, as I'm doing fundraising, as I'm thinking about an exit, as I'm thinking about hiring top talent, as I'm thinking about compensating my people, as I'm thinking about competing with my biggest competitor and changing my pricing model to do to attract a better customer or changing my commission model to attract a better sales rep or how I organize mm-hmm. my team and how I hire my employees. And I think about all those things about if I was running this company, what would I think about? Renegotiating my lease with my with my building is now something that we're talking about with our mm. customers. Not all these things are things that NetSuite can help with, but a lot of these things are things that I can help my customers with because I've created an ecosystem and a network of other people that can fill in gaps where my product doesn't meet. And so what I really try to do with my customers is think about what are the challenges that they're having in their business and how can I make that person's day in the life a little bit easier and a little bit better? And some of that is automating it with our software. Some of it is introducing it them to our partner ecosystem. Some of that is helping them by creating a community or helping them meet a friend that's been through the same thing that they're about to go through. And that's what makes it fun for me. And I think mm-hmm. it makes it fun for them because then they're not just buying software. They're really entering into a partnership with, with our brand. Exactly. And you're solving some really deep problems that they may not even realize that they can come to you with. So that's really cool. Yeah. I had a customer come to me as a quick aside. I had a customer come to me. I've been working with them for three years and they were saying we're a services company. We bill services hours. We make custom software for people. And even years ago, I said in the environment that we're in to get a higher valuation and fundraising, it seems like a lot of the stuff that you guys built to manage these services projects is your own proprietary software. I bet you a lot of people would want to buy that software. Have you thought about selling that software as a software product? Software sales is a lot more profitable than services. There's a lot less you have to deal with in terms of the margin. And they were like, actually, that's something that we've been thinking about and we're really going to try and pivot that way. And now two years later, that is the focus of their business. They've converted a lot of their Mm. services projects into SaaS projects. And that's made the company worth a lot more to investors. And so it's been fun to put a little lens on top of helping just with trends that I've seen my other customers do to help them be more successful. Nice, nice. So I want to switch gears just a little bit back to levity, Mm -hmm. the concept of levity. Now, one thing that I think is really interesting in your background is that you're a comedian Mm -hmm. and an entrepreneur And you work for a very large organization, very large, very influential organization. So I'm curious, as a comedian, I I assume that you believe that levy is a good thing just Mm -hmm. in general in life. (laughs) (laughs) But is there a place for it in business? I totally think there's a place for it in business. And by comedian, I'll just preface that by I have done stand up a handful of times. So I'm not, but I will (laughs) say I'm an international comedian because I did do stand up in Buenos Aires and I got paid like the equivalent of $40. 
So that was, I'm a paid international nice. comedian. <laughs> Kudos to you. You know how many people are afraid to get up in front of other people to just to deliver a basic, boring, dry presentation, let alone to try and put your soul out there and get people to laugh. Kudos to you. That's a big accomplishment. Well, I would say that like when I was in college, I, I was a, a teaching assistant for one of my professors my senior year. And basically he was like, I'm going to go scuba diving for a couple of months. Why don't you mm-hmm. watch over my class? And I was like, perfect. That sounds great. I'd love to do that. <laughs> what I did with the students when I had some freedom is I said, what is a good way for sales? This is a sales class. What is a good way for salespeople to get better at storytelling, which is a core value mm-hmm. to selling anybody on anything, get used to rejection and improve their ability to speak? comedy is the best way to do this. And so we went to a little dive bar in my college town and I did stand up for all my students Mm -hmm. and that was a good opportunity. And then I made them do it in the classroom together. They didn't have to go to the bar and do it in front of other people, but it was really a great (laughs) exercise in building those three things and storytelling and improving your public speaking. And then also getting ready for rejection because in sales, you're going to get an incredible amount of rejection. I call people every day saying, you want to buy some NetSuite? And sometimes I call the same people every week for three years until finally they say yes. So you do right. deal with a lot of rejection and you have to get really good at storytelling and you have to be able to communicate you know, verbally and in a written way that is compelling. And so that I think is core values you can get from doing comedy. But I think also I would say in thinking about levity and comedy, I also think about vulnerability. And I think something that has made it a really like a much more pleasurable way for me to interact with my team on the NetSuite side and then also Mm -hmm. my customers is finding opportunities to be vulnerable with these people because it gives them permission to do it in exchange. And I found that if you're just talking about your product and just talking about your features and just talking about your business and how you can help that person, that's what everyone else is going to be doing too. And if you don't do it with a layer of storytelling and with some vulnerability about who you are and and why you do this, you don't give the other person an opportunity to connect back with you. And so I think that in in Mm. being vulnerable and sharing some of the, you know, weird things about me that I'm into and that I like, you will be surprised how hungry people are to share their weird things that they're into and that they like. And then that (laughs) makes you guys bond so much more. For example, (laughs) I really like bees. I think bees are really important. And I started like a little Instagram where I take photos of these and that's been a thing that I've been doing for a little while now and every once in a while it comes up in conversation and you'd be surprised how many people are like oh I wish I had a bee farm like I really want to have I'm really a fan of local honey I think these are also really important and so you just weird little things like that you find a way to connect with somebody about and then it makes everybody more human and it makes everyone more interested in partnering with you because they really feel like they're partnering with you not just your software or your company or your brand. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And that's something that I found as well. It really does give those brands a unique identity, a unique feel when people come to work with them. And they're able to have that personality, a little bit of quirkiness, (laughs) a little bit of fun. People remember that and they appreciate that. It's better to go to an organization like that than one that's more generic, dry, white walls, no personality. I'm not going to remember you (laughs) if you don't have any personality. I might remember I don't enjoy this experience with you. I'm not coming back. Okay. I think this might be the last question that I have for you. 
What do you think contributes to a happy, healthy, and fun culture? I think that you can create, so there's kind of two sides to that. There's the culture in the company that you work in and the company that your team member is with. I think there's a side to it Mm -hmm. that's the company of the the community of people that you work with. So in our space, like there's no deal that I can win by myself. I always have to win with my teammates at NetSuite, the solution engineers and the professional services team and the, the now BDRs that support me. Like we all win together as a team. We also have to win with our partners out in the ecosystem. So there's like recruiters that will refer us and there's other solution partners that will say, hey, you know what a really good tool is to play with you guys in NetSuite. And so we have a huge number of people in the ecosystem that don't work for NetSuite that recommend us and help me. And then we have the customers and the customers have their own community as well. And they all overlap a little bit. And sometimes people leave one company to join the other. And we hire a lot of our customers actually (laughs) to come work at NetSuite. And a lot of our customers or a lot of our employees leave NetSuite to go start companies. So it is a really special ecosystem to be a part of. And I try to create the same kind of fun for all of those groups. For example, when I was a manager, we instated a, a sales methodology that was called Velocity. And it was the idea that you could run a sales cycle a little bit faster and modify some of our steps so we could get a sales cycle done in a week instead of three months. And the team and I built a logo for our little methodology and we called Mm -hmm. it Velocious and it was a Velociraptor. And so it was like a picture of a Velociraptor and we called it Velocious. And so that was our thing. And so every time somebody (laughs) on our team in our ecosystem helped us close a deal, I sent them a stuffed animal of a Velociraptor. We didn't have a big budget and we couldn't do a lot of things, but I could send everybody like a little raptor and they put it on their desk. And as you would go through the course of the year, like more and more desks had this Velociraptor stuffed animal on it because it represented a part of this micro team, Velocious, that was doing this weird, fun, strange thing. And it was hard to get people to adopt changing. I work inside of a big company. So to change our sales process Mm -hmm. a little bit earlier than the company was ready to do that, we really had to ask for a lot of favors. And so sending people these raptors and eventually one of our VPs made a a t-shirt for us and he sent the t-shirt to the team and we had little backpacks that had our logo on them. And it was just this weird little sub-brand inside of this big company that made people want to Mm -hmm. participate and be curious and figure out what it is that this team is doing. And now it is evangelized to, we don't call it Velocious anymore, but we have the whole sales methodology that is enabled to help our smaller customers. That's so awesome. Yeah. And that really helps with your team identity and and building that cohesion among your team members. I love that. Velocious. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do I do I love Velocious that is really cool really cool branding Kelly I don't want to take up much of your time much more of your time I do appreciate you coming on to the show to share your experiences with us about what it's like to work at NetSuite your thoughts on fun and levity and comedy and how we can bring that into the work that we do is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today this was a really fun opportunity to chat, Heather, and I'm so happy that we found each other through social. I think that is a really important thing for people to to focus on and to learn about and to use because it's free and it permeates across time and it permeates across location. Like you can, you're if you really figure out how to leverage social properly, you can have it working for you while you're sleeping and across the world. So I'd really encourage people to think about, especially during COVID, but even before and after, thinking about how you can 
create digital communities and, and leverage social tools to do that. And I'm happy to help people if they're interested in learning more about how to do that. I've got some projects that I'm doing that are helping people with this. And I'm so happy that it brought us together. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it really is because I told you, I honestly went on LinkedIn one night and I said, I wonder how many people are doing something around fun. And I think I literally typed in fun and hit people under filter and you popped up and your uh, headline said, I make cloud ERP fun. I said, I need to learn more about her. That is intriguing to me. So if you want to be on the podcast, maybe you should add levity into your headline and you never know what might happen in the future. <laughs> so Kelly, I, I love it. I love everything that you're doing. And if y'all are interested in connecting with her, please go to leadwithlevity.com slash podcast and you can access the show notes. We're going to have links for you to connect with Kelly there. I'm sure that LinkedIn is a great place for you to connect with her as well. Mm -hmm. Kelly, thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day.